0: We have the NRMCA, the National Ready Mixed Concrete Association, involved with our seminar, and they're promoting the use of concrete throughout California and the country. Because we look at the design of a house from The point of view of what materials we use and how do we combine those materials to make that building envelope as fire resistant as possible we have a tendency to pre-select materials when we look at the design of a house and work with them not only as building materials suppliers but also consultants to us in terms of how we make all this work Um, the chain is as strong as its weakest link so we take out the weakest link and say we're going to make that as fire resistant as possible. And that's what helps protect the house. We go about using the right materials and the way we combine them to make that building envelope as fire resistant as possible.
1: You are here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit for climate positivity. David, I would love to just be able to start off. I know you have a summit Coming up on August 24th, I would love you just give us an overall summary of what you guys are trying to accomplish with the summit, and just what the summit will be about.
0: Well, thanks, Billy. So the summit is really about how to design and build homes and buildings that are resistant to fires and other natural disasters. Certainly in California, we're beginning to get used to the ravages of fires all over the West. But these new ways of building can have a serious impact on our most disaster-prone areas, including hurricanes as well. The overall context of this is how do we build buildings to survive the ravages of these awful natural disasters that are becoming more and more prevalent in our world?
1: Yeah, definitely. And so you're really hoping through this summit and through a lot of the work that you do to really be able to let people know how they can create more sustainable homes that aren't getting ravished by these fires and everything like that right absolutely and what has been the real problem that you see with what's being constructed today and why they're being just ravaged by
0: fires most of our buildings are built out of wood when i came here from the uk in the late 70s i was actually kind of horrified To see that everybody in America builds buildings out of wood sticks and uh, we don't do that in Europe. I was brought up in a house that was built out of stone and brick in the 17th century and it was still standing when I left, still standing today. And so when I came here, my buddy from university that I came here with to begin with just warned me, he said, you better not overexpress your opinion here, Dave, because everybody builds buildings out of sticks and there are a lot of advantages to building buildings out of wood, which I found out. Wood is a beautiful material to design with, very flexible and has been in the past somewhat inexpensive. But that world is changing. And not only have the prices of these materials gone up incredibly and started to make alternative means of construction, such as with concrete, a lot more cost-effective and competitive. But all the ravages of these supposedly increasing natural disasters, such as fire and hurricane, make those buildings very susceptible to these natural disasters. And we're seeing it all over, all states just backed out of florida with hurricanes and we've got all state and state farm just backed out of california in terms of new insurance policies and i know you've got some questions about that a little bit later on in the interview but this is having a major influence on our industry and it's only going to get worse so we do have the alternatives we've got some alternatives as to how to do this and it's not that we don't have all the answers but we have some of the answers to be able to make these houses safer and have people protect not only the biggest investment of their lives, which is the way it is for most people, but also all the interior belongings and everything. So we're on the way here to kind of start a movement to get this rolling and save natural resources, save people's lives. In particular, we contributing to the safety of a lot of the firefighters that we have over here. People have lost their lives fighting fires to rescue people's houses. And if we all built this way, we wouldn't have to do that. Definitely. And
1: if you built in a different way, your home could almost be a refuge, wouldn't you say?
0: Yes, absolutely. When I moved to the town of Napa in California, I had lost a house to a fire up in the Santa Cruz mountains and a devastating experience. And so when we moved to Napa, we bought a piece of property and built a house that was about as fire resistant as you could get. And I did it all deliberately to make a point that you can do it cost effectively. You can design it to do the right things. You can put in the right materials to make it all as fire resistant as possible and protect your family. and there is nothing more important to me than my family and if i can build a castle to protect them that's what i'm going to do and i don't mind if i have to spend a little bit more money in order to be able to get there and when i picked up my permit the fire marshal said to me dave i don't know why you're doing this but He said, I'm coming to your house when there's a catastrophic fire in Napa. So I couldn't have felt like I got a better endorsement than that at the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. The fire marshal is saying that. He's been around the block a few times. He knows what's been happening. And you're talking about spending a little extra to fortify your home, to make it be able to be more fire resistant, but in the long term, especially given the increase in the number of fires that are happening, you're really going to be saving a lot in the future because you're not going to have to rebuild constantly. And it's not only just the money aspect, but it's also your personal belongings. There are things, you know, that you keep in your home that you can't replace, especially your family members, if they get stuck in the fire, or you have photographs or things that are just sentimental value that you can't just go out and replace it, right? They are things that you don't want to just lose in a fire. So if you can spend a little bit more now and not have to deal with the whole after effects of having to replace everything later that, that can greatly offset the additional cost.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's We've been building very cheaply with wood for a long time. And particularly in California, a lot of people building these McMansions, and when you see one married couple living in a 10,000 square foot house, maybe they could cut that down to 9,000 square feet and build it exceptionally so that it won't be susceptible to fires. That to me is a sound insurance policy in a way. And it's really the economics that drives all this because of the fact that insurance companies are leaving and when they go, when they're gone, what's gonna happen to the industry? What's going to happen to the building industry? Developers are going to have to take a look at doing something different. And we're starting to point the way in how we do this. So here in Pebble Beach, where I have the good fortune to live, uh, I have a real estate friend of mine who has lost a couple of $5 million sales recently because her potential buyers could not get an insurance policy. And one of the ones that she did sell that could get a policy the policy costs $96,000 a year. Uh, oh, lucky, lucky that those people could afford $10,000 a month or whatever to pay for that policy, but we don't have to do that. In fact, some of the work that we've done, people have been able to pay less for their insurance policy now than they did before, simply because they've gone to the trouble of having a house designed and built that cuts the risk for the insurance company in the first place. And everything to do with insurance is the dollar versus the risk. So we're working with an insurance company here in California right now to do this very thing so that they will pre-approve the work that we do and the materials that we have. And they will say, okay, you build this house and we'll give you a policy and it will cost maybe cost you less than you had before. Whereas the people who have rebuilt, sometimes rebuilt the same house they had before have found their policies quadruple, which really isn't a cost-effective way to go about it. So when you think of the money that gets spent over the life of that house for insurance, and then the other part of it is the beautiful thing about building this way is that you build a much more sustainable and energy-efficient building, and that cuts down your overall management cost of your home for the rest of the life of your house. And if you build it this way with concrete, for instance, which lasts forever, your house is going to be that much more sustainable and withstand all the disasters that the world can throw at it. All in all, it's a better way to go. And I I emphasize the fact that plenty of other people out there have other ideas, too, as to how to do things. But if we all get together and we create this movement so that, we bring the insurance companies back and they feel secure in giving us policies. It makes everybody happy. It's a win-win-win situation for everybody. Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) The insurance companies, they want to have buildings that they are insuring, but it has to make economic sense for them, right? If they're going to insure a house, they're going to make money off of that house, but it has to be economically feasible for them. And giving everyone an opportunity, people an opportunity to live where they want, and the insurance companies will make money by having the house insured under them. Everybody's winning there. You get what the house that you want in a sustainable way. And you have less of an impact on the environment as well, because especially when these houses burn down. If you're going to rebuild those houses, that takes a lot of materials to rebuild all of the stuff inside of it. All of that carbon that was used to ship all those materials wherever they came from and get them to that house to build the house and all of that kind of stuff. You have to do that all over again. So that's a huge economic footprint that you're putting back on the soil where it could eventually burn down again. And then this whole process starts over again. So being able to build with more sustainable materials like concrete really help in that whole life cycle of the home, which is great.
0: You're absolutely right. And this word sustainability is coming up more and more because protecting our homes and our possessions is not really something that a lot of people looked at as far as sustainability was concerned to begin with but now it's really coming to the forefront. So the most important thing is to protect that house and make sure it survives. And wherever we can, I think we should.
1: Yeah, I agree. And can you go more into your process of creating more sustainable concrete with more sustainable materials? Is that different from how concrete has been traditionally made? Or is it just the nature of making concrete being more sustainable than other options
0: there's two ways of looking at it really billy first of all concrete in some ways is a very good product because it's generally made locally they have to produce cement for concrete which takes a tremendous amount of energy and there's a lot of research being done right now to replace concrete or at least parts of concrete so that it does become more sustainable. And we will be seeing changes in the concrete industry in the future. And we also have to be concerned about running out of concrete. When you look at what China's doing, it's been buying up all sorts of concrete companies around the world to satisfy its own needs in China, but depriving the rest of the world in some ways of this material. So we found the price of concrete going up, and that probably won't stop. So at some point, we're going to have to find a way to replace it. And that's I firmly believe, that will be coming to the forefront fairly soon. So I think we're on the right path.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this is similar to the argument about EVs with using lithium batteries where people are worried about running out of lithium and the different components and rare earth metals that go into creating an electric battery. There definitely are constraints there. There aren't just unlimited amounts of these rare earth metals. And so you do have to consider that. But we are continually innovating upon electric vehicles and electric batteries to make them more efficient, use different materials that have... Larger scope and availability so that we aren't running out of those materials, so that we can continue to have different options. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably the same thing will be true for concrete, being able to use other materials that are more sustainable or have different (coughs) pros and cons that will come to the forefront as we move and innovate and create more technology in the future to create and make concrete in different ways
0: yeah you're absolutely right and i think the example of the car battery is a perfect analogy because i don't know if you've seen on facebook you've always got people condemning electric vehicles and saying we don't have enough electricity we can't produce enough electricity and one of my responses to that is have you ever looked at the city of san francisco at night and seeing that every office building is lit up like crazy we don't need to be consuming all the electricity we're consuming in situations like that we can move things around and we've got a grid that we can supply electricity through day and night. We don't need to be wasting these resources the way that we do. And if we make one minor shift in something like that, imagine all the cities across the the United States, if they were required To reduce their electric consumption 10% overnight what it would do to the country and how much electricity would be available. My dad always used to use this expression, necessity is the mother of invention. It's such a great expression because he lived during the war and if you think about what was produced during the Second World War in terms of inventions that people needed to do hundreds and thousands of things that nobody would have even thought of if the war hadn't been going on. When I see people condemning electric vehicles because they say, oh, you can't recycle the batteries or it costs too much to dig up the lithium or whatever, it's like the whole point is a guy like Elon Musk, whatever you might think of him, got out there and created an industry that will go on and on recreating itself. Coming up with more and more ideas. And when we start running out of lithium, we'll find some other way to do it. We have a problem with gasoline right now, where we could be using gasoline and oil for better purposes than running around the planet. I found out today we have over a billion cars on this planet producing carbon nonsense, really, carbon pollution all over the world and we have no control over it right now if we can reduce that by 10 percent god knows what we can do to cut down on people's asthma on cancer we come up with these ideas and then it seems like money takes over and the all-important thing is profit and and money and i think it's time that we took a look at an alternative way of doing things and that's where necessity being the mother of invention comes in to be really important because at some point as our resources run out we have no choice we can't rely on oil forever we're ruining all the oceans on the planet with plastic Particles because of that. We can't eat certain fish anymore. It just goes on and on. And we've done it all because it's economically feasible for human beings to do this. And I think we have to start looking at things a different way.
1: I agree. And what's exciting for these types of topics, the economics of this is starting to make more sense. Solar and wind energy have become cheaper than coal to produce energy. And a lot of these other solutions are becoming more and more economically feasible. So it's no longer a situation where it's, oh, I'm doing something like we're trying to convince people to spend more money to do something good for the environment. No, like if you're just looking at your business statement and saying, okay, how much am I spending? How can I cut costs? How can I be more efficient with my money? It makes business sense. Like I am paying less per watt of energy produced. I am paying less for that using solar and wind energy than I am for coal. So being just a businessman, a savvy businessman, being like, how can I save money sets, right? And more and more of those solutions are coming onto the market, which is super exciting for this time period and for our future, seeing that more sustainable solutions are becoming more economically feasible, which is really great.
0: Absolutely. And we'll run out of oil, we'll run out of gas but we'll never run out of sun and we'll never run out of geothermal energy because the world is going to continue for at least for a few more million years producing energy from its inner core and then the sun's going to be shining forever. So why don't we just use it? It, it, I think one of the things, it was such a polarized society in America now. And one of the devastating parts of that polarization, to me, is the way in which something like the Democrats come up with this idea of the of the New Green Deal, right? Immediately, that gets condemned for whatever reason, which is very irresponsible, I believe. But the reason I use polarization in that situation is some people look at it; it's either a hundred percent the Green Deal or it's nothing, and we want it to be nothing. At least I'm I'm quoting some politicians here. And so what is wrong with taking the new green deal and working out what might work for everybody within that new green deal and do things like promote wind energy? We're never going to run out of wind energy. We're never going to run out of sun. We're never going to run out of tides. So let's use it all to our advantage to make some sense. And economically, it works because There are millions and millions of jobs to be had by people who are willing to work in those industries. So people and governments create those industries and then the people will come to support them. And then again, everybody wins. But to dismiss the idea of a new green deal because it's got the word green in it and people are paranoid about the word green and they think it's some liberal joke to think in a green and sustainable way is just highly irresponsible in terms of the use of our natural resources. I once made a statement in the Napa Valley Register that we have all the energy in the sun and in the earth that we need to heat and cool our houses. And I stick by that. It's absolutely true.
1: People get all messed around with politics, but I would really love to come back to your summit here and circle back to what we started at the beginning and really talk. I know you're mentioning the summits really to bring this awareness to alternative materials building homes that are more sustainable and that are fire resistant as well would you like to talk about the speakers you have coming to the summit and what maybe a high level overview of what they're talking about and things like that
0: absolutely because we use a lot of concrete in what we do uh, and we own certain building materials that use concrete we have the NRMCA the National Ready Mixed Concrete Association involved with our seminar and obviously they're promoting the use of concrete throughout california and the country and they're coming in to support us and then also we've got members of the insurance industry coming in to talk about the issues that we have today and how we might be able to overcome them and obviously they're coming in to support our program because they believe that we have some of the answers in terms of how their industry can survive in California by having houses that sustainable so that they're less risk for the insurance companies to take on. Because we look at the design of a house from the point of view of what materials we use and how do we combine those materials to make that building envelope as about as fire resistant as possible. We have a tendency to pre-select materials when we look at the design of a house and go out to those people. There are alternatives to some of them. And so we go out to those people who are big wigs in their companies and work with them as not only as building materials suppliers, but also consultants to us in terms of how we make all this work. And what I love about these people that we put together as a team is that they consider themselves to be part of a team. Now, you can take ICF products, insulated concrete forms, which are the foam blocks that you stack up like a big Lego set and fill full of concrete. And we represent a large company in our ventures in this whole process here. And I've seen houses that burnt down in Northern California where the foam block or the ICF has been condemned because it didn't save the house. And they're saying, what's the point in using them? The whole point is that you use them as part of the building envelope and that everything else that you do, the walls, the doors, the windows, the overhangs, the roof, the decks, everything that we do needs to have a certain level of fire resistance to it so that we lose the expression. The chain is as strong as its weakest link. So we take out the weakest link and say, we're going to make that as fire resistant as possible. And that's what helps protect the house. It's almost like water and rain during a rainstorm. Rain will find its way into the weakest point of a building and can destroy the building in the long run. Same thing with fire. So we go about using the right materials and the way we combine them in order to be able to make that building envelope as fire resistant as possible.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's great because you really have to consider the whole system. You can't just look at one single part. So the whole system is really important. And where is the summit and how can somebody register if they're interested?
0: The first summit is on August the 24th, just over three weeks in San Jose. It's at the Masonic Center and it starts at 8.30 in the morning. You're pre-registered. You check in between 8 and 830 And then the seminar starts at 8.30 and goes on till 4.30, after which we will have an open house for everybody to get to know everybody else. And one of the things that I'm really promoting in this is we don't have all the answers, but collectively we can find a lot more of them than we have. So let's get those minds together, those people who are Interested in learning. Not only will people learn, but everybody can give. We've got a bunch of experts there that can help. They will learn too. And the cross-pollination at that event at the end is going to be a great thing. So in order to register, people need to get on to www.goldenstateicf.com. And that ICF stands for Insulated Concrete Forms. So that's the name of our company, our building materials company, because the ICF is probably the most uh, prolific material that we have. Of all the ones that we use.
1: Nice, awesome. Mm-hmm. That's exciting, and it's coming up soon. So, it, you know, everybody make sure that they go on there and register as quickly as you can, because it it's definitely going to be transformative. Especially being able to meet other people in this industry who are also thinking just like you about how can we create just a more fire resistant and more sustainable society where we're not burning down our houses all the time, <laughs> which is really great. And where do you hope this summit will go in
0: future years? What we anticipate happening is a conversion to webinars because we can reach so many more people with a lot less effort. So our resources can go into other things. So once we get this rolling, we will be videotaping every speaker and we'll be able to use those tapes in webinars in the future. And it also allows us to be a lot more flexible so we can introduce new ideas, we can bring in new experts, and we hopefully create a following through these webinars and probably do them to begin with every month and then later on every two weeks. And there'll be plenty and plenty of topics and materials that come out that we can show off on these webinars and get the word out in a sort of centralized forum that people come to understand will provide them with credibility in the design and construction world.
1: This group. This first one is just in person in San Jose, correct?
0: Yes, that's right. So we had originally thought of doing six seminars around California and with the time and effort that it takes to put on this one seminar to begin with, we just realize, okay, doing it in other parts of the state is probably not going to be very easy. We're learning by our mistakes in a way and join the 21st century in terms of the way that we use social media and the electronic world that we have at our disposal. People like you, Billy, if it weren't for people like you, we wouldn't be able to do this.
1: Oh, that's why I'm here. Tell your yeah. guys' story about what you guys are doing.
0: I think it's... It's fantastic what you're doing. And again, if it weren't for people like you stepping up to do this kind of work, then these kind of words wouldn't get around as well and as quickly as they do. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the work you're doing. Being able to put together sustainable materials for people to have more sustainable homes is super important. I've had a number of other people on the podcast who have come on talking about how to make homes more efficient and how to make them more energy efficient, things like that. But using concrete has is a new one. I haven't had that one before, so I'm super excited that you're on here and You've been able to talk more about that here today. And the last question here that I just like to ask is if anybody wants to reach out to you personally or learn more about your company outside of the summit, how can they best get in touch with you?
0: First of all, it'd be great to have people interested in the summit, those people who need to get hold of me directly. My telephone number is 707. 707- 337-4144. 3, 3, 4, 4, 4. My email is my name, dhorbin, so d-h-o-r-o-b-i-n at earthlink.net. So those are the best ways to get hold of me at this point.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app, to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there, and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So, if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register for your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.